Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Want to start your own podcast and not know where to start? Well, Zencaster makes the process quick and painless. They provide crystal clear sound and gorgeous HD video. Not to mention there is no downloading required. Just click and start recording. What about when you need to record remotely like we do with our podcast? Well, we started this podcast by using Zoom and we quickly found out that Zoom isn't great when it comes to podcasting. This is where Zencaster comes to play its role. Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy and with everything from local recording to automatic post-productions in the tool, you don't have to leave your browser to get the episode done. Start using Zencaster today for free and upgrade to the premium version whenever you're ready. There's no regular commitment and no hidden fees. If you go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and enter the promo Gen Zers to Rise Zero, you'll get 30% off your first three months. That's Z-E-N dot A-I slash Gen Zers to Rise Zero. It's time to share your story. This podcast is a Vasilis Scarly's production. Hello, everyone. I'm Kennedy. And I'm Vasilis. We run Changemaker Z, a student-run initiative that aims to empower, educate, and connect Gen Zers interested in entrepreneurship. We interview teenagers with impactful projects and create resources to help you change the world. If they can do it, so can you. On this podcast, we discuss the logistics of creating different types of projects with Gen Zers who have already done it. We will leave our social media and website information in the description. Change makers. In today's episode, we are meeting with macrame artist Macy Lavon to learn about her journey and her company, The Twistery. Welcome to the show. It's so nice to meet you. Well, thank you for having me. It's nice to meet you guys too. Yes. Yeah, so, guys, me and Macy actually know each other. This is our. This is the first guest that we've had that I've actually kind of known the artist. Um, you know, I kind of saw her artwork on Instagram. I think from a friend. I don't remember the first time I saw it. I was like, I think it was a couple years ago. And um, I was like, this is amazing. She has her own company. So Macy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and you know how you got started with Mukrame? Yeah. Um, so it, like a lot of artists now, there's I started with COVID. So I was junior year of high school and school got closed down and suddenly I had a ton of time to fill. So I decided I was gonna, I don't know, pick up a new project and I decided macrame would be perfect because I had a ton of plants in my bedroom and I wanted to fill the space really well and change that up. And so I made a couple plant hangers. And after that, I realized I really like macrame and I worked on it more and more and made a ton of things. And I had run my dad's Etsy business for a while. So I knew how to run a business already and kind of just put my artistry along with my business skills together. And in June of 2020, I started my business and yeah, it's been growing fairly quickly since then. I've grown a fairly large amount of Instagram followers and sold in a ton of stores in the Twin Cities and around the country and done lots of art fairs and yeah, things are very big and I have my own studio now. So 
there's just a lot of pieces that have come together really quickly that make it very exciting. So, yeah. That's so amazing. Like, it is it is reminds to me how we got started also during COVID. And this was an important period, I think, for everyone. It was the worst period for people and the best period for people. Like, it's a very strange uh, seam of things. But for people who don't know what exactly is macrame and what kind of things can you make with it, would you, would you like to share some information? Yeah, so uh, macrame is a form of knot tying and so it was really popular in the 70s and then is gaining quite a bit of popularity now. You can find it in a lot of big stores like Target or Michaels and it's coming back really popular. But um, yeah, I take a thick cord and I tie it into little knots and various designs and patterns and I make things like wall hangings or plant hangers and I do earrings and keychains. I do a ton of stuff but yeah it's, it's beautiful yellow fiber like I make little earrings out of it. I know they're not super seeable but yeah. It's such a unique piece you can hang up in your house like especially if you like that like bohemian that's where my like bohemian kind of look accents yeah. you all but yeah. And I'm curious to learn, do you have a favorite item to make? Um, I think my favorite thing to make is wall hangings, just because with those I can, they give me a lot more creativity. A lot of my products, it's the same thing over and over, but when I do wall pieces, they're really big and I can make it up as I go, or I can just really change because it's such large scale, I can change the pattern. Um, and just have a lot of fun with my creativity in that. I don't make a ton of them because they take a long time, but it is fun when I do have the time to make them just to be able to like, let my creativity flow instead of having like a set thing I have to make. That's so funny that you brought that up because literally I was going to ask, like, how long did Because you vary from, I know you have these cute little rainbows, you can do the earrings, like, but, you know, you vary from like how long did it take to make kind of a smaller thing to like maybe your biggest piece, like the wall hangings. Yeah, it because it's all handmade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I handmade yeah. everything. And the thing about macrame is you can't order it from a producer. Like I can't get prints of something. Everything has to be handmade. Um, so keychains and earrings, which are my smallest things, um, probably take. It's hard because I batch produce them, so I never know exactly how long one is. But keychains probably take an hour tops, um, probably less. And then earrings are probably also an hour. And then wall hangings, which take the longest, can be anywhere from an hour for my little ones to, I've done one that was, uh, my largest has been 15 hours, but I don't normally do ones that take that long. Um, My average though is about three or three to five hours is my average for my standard large wall hangings. Jeez. And I was like, I mean... I, this is so stupid, but like I remember um, I took an English class and like I had to type a lot of papers and I just got really good at typing really fast. You think like you've improved on the knot tying, gotten oh, super yeah. fast fingers? <laughs> yeah, I keep track of how long things take me um, just for pricing wise, but I had done a custom order once and I also write down measurements of projects so I can repeat the wall hangings again. and. I had a custom piece that I made and I looked in my notebook and it said it took me seven hours and the next time I did it, um, like I did the seven hour one in the summer of 2020 and then I remade it this like a month ago and it took me three hours that time. So I dropped four hours from my timing. Um, 
So yeah, there's definitely, I've definitely had an improvement and I can make things a lot faster, which is nice. A short parenthesis. When we say macrame, it's actually macrame, macrame or macrame since the word has also an accent and I am also a French speaker. So how do we pronounce it correctly? I, I say macrame. Mm-hmm. For now, do you have any macrame artist inspirations? Yeah, um, I, I don't follow a ton of people on social media that are in the same form as me because I find it gets, macrame is pretty, there isn't a huge variety in what you can do. Like there's some changes, but a lot of people make really similar things. Um, mm-hmm. And so I kind of limit who I look at just because I don't want to feel like I'm copying anyone or feel intimidated by other sales, but Um, there's someone in, they're all small artists like me, um, just because macrame isn't like a huge, there are no like famous macrame people, mm-hmm. but um, there's someone in California I love, her name's Rachel from the Lark's Head Shop, and um, she does really cool different things than me. She makes things that are shapes, so she can make a landscape shape with various colors and color blocks things out and can do like a yin yang symbol with macrame and it's very different from what I do and um, yeah there's a couple people who are way above my skill range and it's very cool to see someday I'll be there and I'll be able to do what they do um, and yeah no yeah that makes a lot of sense because it's like you know when you're doing something You could lose all your original thoughts just by like looking at somebody else's work. So I think that's really smart that you don't follow a lot of people. Kind of make sure. Um, and okay, so you decided not to go to college, right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. And you know, the Twistery is your full-time job. And it's just, that's really interesting because you already know, like, you know, college is shoved down our throats every second of the day. It's what you have to do. Um, You know, what kind of led you to that decision to not attend talk to not attend college and were your parents supportive? Yeah, um I not going to college didn't occur to me for a long time. Uh before I got really into my business, I was planning on being a preschool teacher. Uh and after a while my business was growing and I was doing I was getting more involved with it because I think if I had just done online things and kept it as a little hobby, I wouldn't have felt so serious about it but I started doing art shows and doing all these big things and I realized how much I loved what I was doing and I decided you know what I I love this I'm doing well and there's a lot of free or inexpensive resources that can help me grow and I figured if I'm doing well already and I can see growth ahead of time and I know I'm going to put the work in why spend thousands of dollars to go to college when I just personally don't feel like it's going to benefit at least my career to the extent I need. Um, yeah. And so I, at first I thought of it and I thought, Oh my gosh, like I can't even think about that. Of course I'm going to college. And then I finally decided, you know what, that makes sense. Like it's the plan I like. And so I decided, yeah, I'm not going. Um, and my parents were really supportive of it. My mom herself, she, doesn't she's not the type of person that sticks to one career she was an elementary teacher and then a stay-at-home mom and got her master's in education and then just today she's graduating from cosmetology school um 
Yeah, and so she's done a lot of switching up, so she's not the, like, she doesn't have a standard path in mind for her kids either. So both my parents, they understood that I'm working hard and I can, if I'm, if I set my mind to it, I can do it. And they're like, yeah, if you can do it, and that'll be great. So someday maybe I'll go back, I'll go to college, but for now I'm just doing what I'm doing. No, you're, you know, that's amazing. And like you said, you can always go back to college. I'm so happy that you had supportive, supportive parents who let you express your artistry because like you can say what you want. Like I do think college is important or whatever, but there's so many people in college who don't know what they're doing. I'm talking about myself. They don't know where they're going. They don't know where they're going. It's just like the next step. So they can feel like they're doing something. And the fact that you know what you want to do and you're being successful in that, I think, and you can always go back to college mm-hmm. if you need to. So I think that's amazing. Yeah, thank you. I will agree with Kennedy. Like, there are many, many people that they don't actually know why they're doing some things. Maybe they don't have their own goals. They haven't discovered yet something. And once you have found something that you're really inspired, so maybe it's the time that you should follow your dream and then actually, as Kennedy said, you can always return back to the college. Actually, it's not always the, the most important thing onto the life. Um, right now on your website, you mentioned that you are helping Mother Earth. What changes are you making to be more eco-friendly? I, uh, well, I do a few things. I try to avoid plastic as much as possible. So mm-hmm. I, I don't use plastic in any of my things I don't think I mean my pieces themselves don't have plastic just naturally they don't the tools aren't in that but I also just with my packaging I try to use um, I have like cardboard boxes and I don't use um, if I have the mailers they're recycled I get them from an eco-friendly company and then I have uh, little earring packages that I use that look like they're plastic but they're made from plants so they're compostable so If I have to use, especially a packaging thing, I try to find um, whatever is going to be the best that someone can recycle or compost. Um, just because if I'm mass producing something, I don't want to have to send that much waste out into the world. Um, yeah, and then the macrame cord that I use to work with, uh, I'm really proud of it. It's a comp- I buy it from a company that um, they don't use water to make it, which a lot of people do because a lot of cord is hand dyed. Um, but the one I buy it from, they recycle, uh, old textiles and blend them up to make the colors. And then they create the fibers and send them to me. And so I feel like, okay, all the pieces of the process, I'm doing my best and I just avoid waste as much as I can. No, that's so, it's so nice that you're taking that, that extra step to, to, cause would you say you're like, you say the cord is more expensive probably from your supplier than it would be maybe if you got a water-based Probably. One. Macrame cord is tricky in itself because it's not, I don't know, there's things like clay makers, it's a huge group of people, so there's more producers that yeah. make it, but with macrame, it's a smaller group mm. of people, so there's not as many options. Um, and so the store-made stuff isn't as good anyways as um, the things from small businesses, but mine is definitely I think it's more expensive, it's tricky because I buy it wholesale, so because I sell it myself, so it's cheaper technically to me. But yeah, there's definitely choices that have to be made of, okay, am I buying this 
Like there's certain pieces that I buy from small businesses because I want to support small and support their process versus getting it at Michael's or something. Well, yeah, you're 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 helping out like you like you know, sometimes it feels like we kind of talk about this in the puzzle planet, but it's like sometimes it feels like your little bit is not doing anything. But actually, no, like if we all stop thinking that our little bit isn't doing anything, then we'd actually make a change because we're all doing a little yeah. bit of something. But um, so you kind of talked about this earlier. You recently expanded to a mm-hmm. studio, right? Yeah. So congratulations. Yeah. Um, I wanted to know, like, how's that experience been? And, you know, why did you decide it was time to get a physical space? Because you were what? Started on Etsy? I started on Etsy. And I've been for the past, I mean, since I started my business, I just... My studio was my bedroom, um, and I, when I decided not to go to college, I had to figure out, well, how am I going to be social because I'm working from home by myself every single day and I'm not seeing anybody. And so I decided, I, I had gone to this studio. It's called the building is called the Northrop King Building, and it's a super cool building with hundreds of artists. There's four floors, and it's an old building with lots of artists and I went in there one day and I decided this is the place I'm gonna work someday um and so from there I decided okay I'm gonna save up money so I can rent out a space and I'm gonna just prep myself and within a couple months I found a studio space and I share it with a bunch of people but um yeah I just I moved in and it's been amazing just because I get to meet so many people and there's a lot more exposure um, for my business and myself, but yeah, it's been a really fun experience just because I get to talk a lot more and be social and meet so many artists. That's great. Like when you are doing business or when you like you sell products or you have a product that you want to promote, it's crucial to have some connections to find new connections. And what you mentioned about the building for floor building with the artists, this reminds to me the co-working spaces, but it's specifically created for artists. And that's really great when you are capable to socialize. And good for you that you realize that working from home won't give you the benefit to like make new contacts. Because there are many, many people that they are still working from home and because they really don't want to talk with other people. But like you, what you have decided, it's an important step that everybody should do in order to feel that he's part of the society, part of the community and so on. And working from home is definitely not a bad thing. Like I think some people can do it amazing and I loved it at first, but what was hard for me was I don't have this social circle where I'm still connecting with people because all the friends that... I was connected with. Uh, COVID made it harder to connect and then everyone went to their own separate colleges. And so this suddenly, I don't have a circle anymore. And so I decided I need to build up a little circle again or just make connections. So yeah, working from home, I loved it because they were just, I love the freedom of it, but it also, yeah, I needed, I needed a little more human contact throughout the day. Yeah, I remember in the pandemic, I'm an introvert. People. I, I mean, I do theater and stuff. I don't think people realize that I'm actually an introvert. So I was doing fine and dandy for the fun, for the first, like, what, two or three months of the pandemic um, at home with my parents or whatever, my brother. But I was really grateful that I was able to go to work. I work at Caribou Coffee. It's kind of like Starbucks, if anyone doesn't know. But um, I was so, I was like, I get to see people. And that, that it really matters. 
Um, and you did, you know, you touched on, you, you said you sold in like hundreds of markets and stores. I was wondering if you had any advice on getting your products yeah. into stores. I, I've done the most work finding local stores. So I'm really lucky to live in Minneapolis where there are a ton of small shops. Um, but there's two types of selling in stores. There's consignment selling and then there's wholesale selling. Um, with consignment, you bring in your products and then you don't make money until those things sell. And so with a lot of stores, I get 60% and then the store keeps 40%. And at the end of every month, I get a chunk of what they sell. And then with wholesale, I sell the items up front. So I'll normally give the people a 40 or 50% discount. They buy things in mass, but then I get paid immediately. Um, so with wholesale, you can sell on a lot of websites. Like there's a website called Fair um, that allows you to sell and people can just buy directly from there. Um, but with consignment selling, which is what I prefer because you can stay in stores for longer. Um, I just email people, call people. Um, I would find small businesses that other shops I knew sold in, or I'd Google shops and then try to see, okay, are they selling products that look like they're mass produced or do they look like small artists? Um, and then I'd send them an email just with information about me and the products I make and the products that sell best. And some of them never respond, which is totally fine. But then some of them do. And then from there, I start selling in stores and I bring in products every couple months. And yeah, it's nice to just get to work with new people. And it's great for exposure because even though people might not be buying your stuff, they're seeing it in a place and then they might follow from there. Um, and I've had multiple people who have seen me at markets come up to me and say, oh my gosh, I have your keychain right here. I bought it at this store. And it's... <laughs> Oh my God, that has It to be is cool. very cool. I've talked to people where suddenly I show them my stuff and they say, oh my gosh, wait, I have one of your things. Like, and I, I didn't know that. So oh, wow. it's a very fun experience and it's just great to be able to get my name out there. Even if I'm not making as much, it's just another place to have my brand out there. Yeah. And you, and like you said it, sometimes they will spawn, but sometimes they won't. You have to take that risk though. Cause sometimes, cause they might. And I think someone was talking to me about the power of a follow-up email. Um, don't just give up after one email. Give them a little follow-up. And, you know, that should increase your chances a lot more because a lot of people might not. And so, there's so much that has to do with timing, too. Like, the first time I um, tried to email people, I started in October of 20... I, did, I tried it first in October of 2020. And... I didn't realize at the time that even October for small businesses, like small shops at least, they're getting ready for Christmas. And so their emails are mm. full. They don't have time to read or respond or get new artists. And so this year I emailed people in January when it's really slow for small shops and a lot more people responded. And it's just little things like that where it might not be that they see your stuff and don't like it. It's just that they're not seeing it or they're not available. So yeah, yeah. Just, being persistent is a really good thing to do. You also offer mentor sessions. What can someone expect from one of these? Yeah, sessions? I I haven't actually done any, which surprised me because a lot of people have asked <laughs> about them. Like people have asked, Holly, what do you do with yeah. these? And I tell them and then they haven't followed up. But someday when someone wants to do it, um, I kind of just, it's kind of a free-for-all where there are, okay, there are, um, there are a lot of questions where if someone were to DM me, it feels like private information. Like if someone were to ask me where I source some of my like specific um, tools or like 
how to do these really intricate things. People have asked me how to like set up an Etsy shop before and I think, well, you know, you could Google this for one and mm. I think, okay, that's gonna take me 30, 45 minutes to like really explain to you. And so the mentor sessions are just a great opportunity where I think people can ask me whatever they want and I'll just lay everything out. Um, and then they can, yeah, just that's the point where people can get the most information. And I like to explain that I just, I know a lot about tech. I've learned a lot about the Instagram algorithm. Um, Mm, I want to and touch on so that. there's a lot of like information though that, that I'm like okay if you want to ask me a ton of questions whether it's macrame or small business or Etsy or Shopify like it's just a free-for-all where people can just get any questions answered in a period of time I love that and it's important I'm like you said they could google it but it's the fact that you already people don't want to do the work to find the information like you already have mm-hmm. it right so I think you should definitely like be compensated for your knowledge and mm-hmm. information like I'm glad you're offering those um, those mentoring yeah. sessions. For one of the final questions, um, were there any items that you've wanted to try making but you haven't yet? Um, like any different things? Yeah, I. it's tricky because I make so many products that I'm kind of constantly yeah. restocking on things and kind of always have something I need to be making. Um, but... Oh, you do it all yourself. Yeah, yeah you don't no, have a team. No, it's just me. Someday I'll probably hire someone, but for now, I just only trust myself to know that my quality is good, and I, yeah, I only do it myself. But I think, yeah, there's, I kind of like what I do for now. There's some things I might drop in the future, and I've tried dabbling in things. Like, I tried mirrors once, and I've tried, um, yeah, I think... There's nothing specific that comes to mind that I like really want to make um, just because I really like what I do now. So right now it's more about changing up what I already have, like new styles of earrings or new color patterns in certain things or new bigger wall hanging. I always try to think of bigger wall hangings because I do a lot of medium sizes. They'd be large to me, but I need large, large ones. Uh, <laughs> bigger be- bigger uh-huh, the better exactly. let's go um, so yeah it's kind of just always figuring out how much time do I have to develop, like devote to working on something new and yeah what can I make with all my time that I have and this interview has come to an end I was going to ask because you have um, an impressive following guys it's been a year her, her business Instagram has grown to like 11k I think I was going to ask um, if you implement any social media strategies. Y'all going to have to go to the mentoring session to find out. Um, <laughs> but where can we find you? Where can we buy the Twistery? What, how can we yeah. get you? Um, how can we get your products? My usernames on everything is the Twistery with no, I don't know, no underscores, no anything, punctuation. Um, so I'm on, I do a little on TikTok. I'm not super consistent on there. My biggest platform is Instagram. So if you want to see all the content, that's Instagram. But I'm also on Facebook. Um, you can shop my stuff. I have a website. It's thetwistery.com. Um, and then I also have an Etsy shop. But my website is the main place to be. That's where all of my products are. And then I do some markets throughout the year. So if people are local to Minnesota... I do markets. Um, otherwise, yeah, you can find my stuff online and find me on Instagram. And yeah, I'm kind of everywhere. Perfect. And um, we're going to obviously have all of this in the description too. 
So definitely check her out. Support small. As you can see, this is made with love and care and not mass produced in like a factory. So um, this was such an amazing interview. In this episode, we talked about Macy's journey and how her love for Makame turned into her own company. We'd love to thank Macy for being with us today. And thank you guys, listener, for joining us if you made it to the end of the episode. As always, we will leave Macy's social media handles down below, like we said. And until next time, don't forget to change the world. Bye. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. We had such a great time. Make sure to leave us a review. If you want more Changemakers content, you can follow us on Instagram at Gen Zers to Rise and on Facebook at Changemaker Z.